Good afternoon, uh, California and beyond. My name is Lori Woodley. I'm CEO and founder of All It Takes, an organization that develops essential social emotional skills with our youth and those who serve them so that they can lead successful lives for themselves and be supportive to their communities. We're very happy that you're here this afternoon to the, this amazing live program brought to you by CalHOPE Schools Initiative, a mental health and SEL resource for free and no catch. So no cost, no catch um, materials for students and educators across California. So thank you, CalHOPE Schools Initiative for bringing this live to you. Thank you um, to our guests who I'm gonna introduce you to in just a moment. And first I want to define for you our thought process around the term educator. So we believe that if you influence a child, whether you teach them, you coach them soccer, you teach them math, you serve them a, a meal or a couple meals in a school day, every minute that we're influencing, we're in the presence of a child, we have the opportunity to elevate their life. And, and some people are like, well, no, I only see a kid for 30 seconds as I pass them in the hallway. Well, our frown or our smile impacts their life in that 30 seconds. Our good morning or our head down walking past, maybe we're not mad at them, but they don't know that we like them. They don't know that we're warm or friendly or that they're willing. To, like, There's nothing that says in a quick moving past and staying so focused in our own life without looking up and saying good morning. There's nothing that doesn't influence our children, including our maintenance workers, including you know prep staff who make sure that overnight a classroom is clean who make sure that a bathroom toilet is unplugged. Kids who come into an atmosphere that feels clean and safe, that right there launches them into a setting that says, I'm okay here. And so every person in the education ecosystem, we consider educators of some sort. And then of course we have teachers who have the title of teacher and we have administrators and we have district personnel who have titles. So everybody has a title. But our client, what we like to think of is our client is the students we serve. Every one of us work for someone, but ultimately we serve the youth of California. And that's the conversation we want to always focus on is that regardless of what it's going to take for us to do a good job, where we're always looking at the end game is for us to do a better job for our kids to live healthy, thriving lives as socially, emotionally healthy and engaged learners. So with all that information, I'd like to introduce you today to our panelists. I'm gonna go with, I guess, who I've known the longest and that's Dan Pratt. Uh, Dan Pratt is a physical education teacher for the last eight years and currently teaches virtually in the Antelope Valley and is head golf coach at Quartz Hill High School. He's dedicated his life to developing positive lifestyle habits and leadership skills with every youth that he influences as an educator in whatever role, coach, teacher, father, and community member. Uh, Julie, Ju Dr. Julianne Reynoso, who I will refer to as Julie, but she has earned that title of Dr. Julianne Reynoso, uh, is the Assistant Superintendent of Student Wellness and Support Services at the Pasadena Unified School District. She oversees departments of child welfare and attendance, families in transition, foster youth, welfare, uh, health programs, PUSD mental health, and the Thrive School Mental Health. Her work focuses on the well-being of every PU Pasadena Unified School District student, staff, and school sites. And I want to just emphasize that while our client is our student, if we're not serving each other as the adults in service to them, then we can't be doing a great job for them. So I wanna just appreciate that in that bio, Julie, that it's staff that you mention also. And Carl Williams, senior day custodian at Lawndale School District, serves as the AFT, the American Federation of Teachers vice president and represents classified employees as president of the California Federation of Teachers Council of Classified Employees. 
Carl's dedicated to all children and youth and has been very incredibly impressively a foster parent to 70 children. Let's just say that again, foster parent to 70 children. So um, I think you have, we have many years of talent, commitment, and game-changing results on this panel today. So I want to jump in and get started right away. As I ask a first question and throw out this dialogue that's going to be robust today, just tell us one more thing about you, some story about why it would it was important for you to say, hey, I'm nervous, which by the way, I am too, to do this, to be on this live webinar. But I said yes, because there's something about this conversation that matters to me. So tell us a little bit about yourself as I ask you, what is it in a skill? whether it's you want to call it social emotional literacy or life skills or emotional intelligence or um, mental health um, qualities you know the for the developmental 40 developmental assets like what is it that is that feels really important to you for our kids to know and learn and to be able to engage in as a lifelong skill that you think is missing like that helps you say, I have to be a part of the solutions here because this is missing and it worries me for our kids. And so who would like to go first? Carl, do you want to jump in first? Um, absolutely. Uh, good afternoon. I think uh, probably the idea that uh, support staff and classified staff are other trusted adults on campus and not only teachers um, and administrators and principals, work at a school and that uh, the classified staff that work in districts usually live in the neighborhoods that they serve. So our connection with students and parents uh, is a benefit of this, to the school site and the district. And I just really wish that the district would recognize that and use it to their advantage. Mm, thank you. Thank you. And Carl, like what is just a thing that you know, like, a story of a connection that you've had over the years. Now I can come back to you if you want to, but what's a story over the years where you and your commitment to a student, you know, changed the trajectory of their life? So did, um, do you have one? Well, yeah, I, I actually, um, as when I was working as a custodian full time, I'm currently on full release. Um, I was the only custodian in the district that had a service worker. Um, and customarily, the custodians are given the kids who are having issues for the day. But I was actually given a student to work with me at fourth period every day. And um, that's probably been about five years ago. The student's probably, no, he's not five years ago, but the student is probably in his 20s now. And uh, he still reaches out to me. He still thanks me for the relationship that I have with him. His parents really appreciate the relationship that I have with him. Um, and even now that he's grown in a whole another state with the family, we still check in with each other. And he always says, thank you for always looking out for me. And we don't do it for that, but it just happens because we're doing the right thing. Yeah, it doesn't take science, although the science and the research backs us up to know that relationships that are safe and trusted for kids are how they're gonna move forward well, right? Um, so Julie, do you wanna go next? Sure. Good afternoon. Thanks, Lori. I, to begin with, I think when I think of my why of the work that I do, uh, I've had a saying for forever um, about thinking about every child that shows up. Um, you have every opportunity to make the most of that time. Um, and it's just a sense of urgency uh, that I want to create a place um, where children feel safe all day long. And, and that comes in a variety of different ways. And it's uh, temperamented uh, from, from where students come from, um, if they have an ACE score, um, if they have a loving home, if they don't. Um, and so I've always operated and expected those that I have always had the privilege of working alongside to kind of have that same sense of urgency that this every moment is the only chance we might get to make a difference in a child's life. So when you show up, it is the grand performance every single day. Um, I believe that you need to work with the floors on fire, um, with, thoughtfulness, um, with authenticity, because kids know when you care um, and when you don't. Um, and I believe that that happens 
with everybody on a campus and everybody in a school district. And so I feel really excited, um, not only the work that Pasadena has been doing over the last several years on trauma-informed care, but the opportunity that this year kind of presented itself with in thinking about making sure that we were tactfully and purposely trained um, alongside every single um, member in PUSD. And so I'm just thrilled to death uh, to do this work. And you said something earlier, Lori, um, and I think Carl, you were talking about it too, just that that bond that you can have with students, but also with the adults that are serving the students. Um, you're better together, um, bottom line. Yeah. Thank you. And Julie, I, I will say, you know, thank you for bringing AIT and then also for that commitment to train every educator. Like, so for those of you, you alluded to it, but I think it's, it's truly game changing out of the box for a district to take on the commitment to train side by side in great, in one collective everybody who's influencing kids on a school campus. So, you know, the office manager who doesn't feel seen and valued is not kind to everyone who walks in the door. And it's not a purposeful thing. I think I'll just be not kind today, right? Like, I can't even tell you the difference of walking in for 28 years as a school counselor to a school that you walk in and they look up and smile at you. Hey, how can I help you? In the school you walk in and they're looking down and you have to stand there and you know, there's not a bell to ring, but it's almost like you have to ring a bell to get somebody to look up at you and smile and say, hi, how can I help you? And I feel like there's a reason that adults don't want to be that way, but there's a reason they're that way. So the better we can do with each other as adults, the better they can do with those that we're serving. So thank you for uh, just saying everyone matters and bringing that training in. And Dan. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, thank you, Lori. Um, my story really is just I came from the private sector uh, for 16 years, and um, I really had a teacher that had mentored me throughout all those years, even after I was married and challenged me to go back to school and always asked if I was going to be a teacher um, because of something I had done as a high school leader for his sixth graders at the time. Um, and I never felt like uh, I had the passion to do that. It really was my desire, but I knew there was a hard work ahead. Um, and getting thrusted into my first year of teaching, uh, I was teaching elementary physical education, and I quickly learned that uh, I knew everyone. Um, that was my job. Every student on that campus came through me. I was the one teacher of the whole campus. I had class sizes of 150 students, and my job, even though it felt overwhelming to some people that I would tell each day my story, um, I felt it was my goal to make that campus uh, some kind of an identity that was a piece of me. The character that I always wanted to have as what I felt like I had, which was integrity and how to build relationships. Um, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, and a lot of those things of figuring out what works well and how to build relationships with kids, I think is important because there is the work that we're doing. They're the future that we have. And there are so many kids as you alluded to in the beginning, and you're walking through school and they're sitting by themselves, who is the person that says good morning to them? Uh, that changes or shifts their day into just being positive. And that takes nothing more than three seconds. You know, so challenging students to do that each and every day, seeing someone who's sitting out and having them be a part of something um, and then getting them engaged each, with each other is, is powerful. And when you see a campus in the, the three years that I was working with them um, at an elementary, change the culture of being kind to one another, to the, the suspension rates going down 89% in fourth through sixth grades, to going ahead and having sixth graders become the mentors for the second graders, understanding that they were leaders and giving them the empowerment to understand that they actually have the skills and the knowledge if they are listening and they we have this trusted space that I can create with them. Um, and so seeing that work was just tremendous. And for me, that was like the big aha moment is that this shouldn't be just something that I do. This is what all educators should be doing, um, where I took it into my staff and we, I, I led the staff meeting as a PE teacher, which is typically unheard of. But it, I saw in that moment when we gave them the voice and the words to share as adults, to give like the word appreciation and what a true authentic appreciation sounds like after an activity I did with the adult staff, there was tears that were happening, true tears that they never understood 
how they could share to their department head. I appreciate your kindness in helping me through this year. Um, they never knew how to share that. And it made me really just think that the further I dive into this kind of work, I can go ahead and hopefully get a couple of those ahas where more people can go ahead and it's just kind of being a ripple effect that will eventually reach all kids and staff. Um, which puts me where I am today. Uh, you know, I work in the high school district and the work in the language and the social emotional intelligences that I share on a daily basis, not just to my kids, but also to my golfers that I, I coach. I do it at my home with my family. Um, it's just something that's ingrained in me that I've really adopted that understanding that sometimes we don't know where everyone's at. And that's the hardest thing as teachers. When a kid comes in, you don't know what his morning was like. They might put their head down. You don't know what their night was. You don't know what the home thing was like the night before. You don't know anything about anyone. We just know about ourselves. And it has to start with a dialogue and a question. And, you know, when you start searching those things, sometimes those things are hard to swallow. Uh, and the things you might find out hurt you even deeper. But, you know, one of my things is going and doing home visits now that I'm a virtual teacher. And, you know, being virtual is not like it was during the pandemic of being uh, distance learning. It's true kind of independent learning. And when students are turning in work, I felt that I should go do visits at home. And um, it's a different eye opening experience when you see people going, why are you here? Uh, I'm your teacher and I just care about you. Um, and I think that if there's more adults and and teachers and staff and custodians and anyone who's on a campus that interacts with the student just does, hi, how are you doing? I'm here for you. I'm looking out for you. I got your six. Don't worry about it. The more work that we can go ahead and, and get these kids to start understanding that, that we are in a safe space, that we can be trusted, and that then the true education can happen. You know, um, I think that's a, a huge part that I why I do this work. Dan, that's beautiful. And I, you know, your students and your families are so lucky because I imagine that there's a lot of not just the kids who are surprised that you show up, but families who are surprised that you care enough to drive out and to knock on a door and to say, I'm here for you. What do you need? Or to bring food or whatever those pieces are. So um, I, I definitely know that we're talking uh, to three people here who have been willing to do something outside the standard right, outside of what the kind of old school traditional education has said, students, you know, sit in rows, sit down, be quiet, that you, I teach, you learn, we go home. It's just not, that's not what our kids need. That didn't work for too many kids long ago and prior to the pandemic, and it's definitely not working now. And so I, I believe we're kind of in a, in a pivot point where we have been for a couple of years and we have this opportunity to make sure we never go back. And however, there's some hurdles, right? Like, so we are sitting here championing relationships with kids. We know that it works, but we're also all, I think three, four of us <laughs> dealing with colleagues or a system or an upline or, you know, somebody who's like, no, it's too scary. So we'll use, you know, for it, in the spirit of Halloween, we'll use the word scary, but really I think of intimidating, right? Like, what is it that is hard about this? And Dan, to your point, what I think, what I've experienced in the last few years since we made a trusted space is that my assumption that people automatically knew how to build trusted relationships with kids was not a fair assumption. And that, you know, we don't ask a teacher to teach calculus who doesn't learn math well first. And we are asking our custodians, our school secretaries, our librarians, our teachers, our school psychologists, our counselors, who are probably better changed, uh, are trained in that, um, to actually build relationships step into vulnerabilities that they don't know how to do and it feels scary and intimidating to do. So um, 
I think our back end Tanner, um, our tech person, uh, has a video that I want to share with our audience and with all of us. And from that video, we're going to jump into some more discussion about not only what our kids need for this, but the adult component also. So Tanner, can you roll that, please? Kids have to know they're safe with you. And I don't mean physically safe. They need to be socially and emotionally safe, not just with you, but with each other. They need to feel like they don't need to be watching their back, either emotionally or physically, right? And they need to feel like they're safe to try on ideas and start to move through that meaning-making process together. And if they say things that they later regret or that they disagree with or they you know, get them out in the open and then they decide, you know what, that's not what I meant or that's what I meant last week but not today, they need to be able to take it back. Like, people need to be able to feel safe to really stop trying to guard and really um, feel like they're 100% here now to think about this. Hmm. Thank you. So that's a clip from the film A Trusted Space, Redirecting Grief to Growth that was shot and uh, made in 2020. And except for the masks that are on much of the video, the, the concepts in the film are still so relevant. And for all three of you to, to consider, if we think about our students needing to feel safe and not watch their back and be able to take something back, what do our colleagues need to have before they can even allow that for kids? Like what is missing in your thought on, our, on the part of our colleagues, what is the resistance or the barriers for our educators, again, educators meaning everyone in the ecosystem, to allow that to happen with the kids? What are, what's, who would like to go first there? Julie, do you wanna go first? Sure. Uh, I think everyone has the capabilities to know what to do to work with students. I think sometimes people just um, think uh, the resistance may just be, well, that's not how I was brought up, right? So it comes from this ground foundation of in my home. Um, and, and so therefore they kind of exude that. Um, and I think there's a time and place that, um, as was just mentioned in the movie, that like maybe I felt that way six years ago, but something revolutionary happened to me. So am I willing to change my belief system because of that? And I think oftentimes colleagues of mine feel that if they're trauma informed or if they're willing to, you know, um, invest a bit more in a student's life that, that, that may be seen, especially at secondary, I think. Um, and I don't know, Dan, if this happens at the secondary, I was an elementary kind of, that was my, my love, but I do see a difference in, in how secondary educators respond to things. And it's, um, sometimes there's a deeper level and, and more meaning. Um, and other times it's like, oh, that's, that's a little too touchy-feely for me. And, and, and I don't think it should be interpreted that way. I think you can have these relationships um, that can be built and sustained in so many different ways, but you have to take a first step, right? And, and in that, you, you might be vulnerable. You said that just a second ago, Lori. And I think that I think you have to be really aware of who you are before you step into that and what you're what you're willing to put yourself out there. And it may just be baby steps with both parties. Um, it may just be starting with the adults first and then creating that space. And then, you know, what does that look like with adults and students alike? Um, but I think with risk comes from discomfort. Um, I think we've all kind of been in that place when we're trying to learn something new. We, we expect our kids every single day to show up and learn something new every single day. So why don't we do that too? Why, why aren't we going like, wow, like today's a new day. My dad taught me uh, from a young age, learn something new every day, you know, allow yourself to be okay with not knowing. And I think maybe putting ourselves in circles of people who can get us there. And I think for me, um, launching all it takes this year um, in Pasadena Unified, uh, we launched with nine schools. And I and I can tell you in reading the room, <laughs> we definitely had teachers who had their backs to the presenter. And by the end of the day, although arms might've still been a little crossed, they were facing forward and they were listening. Um, 
we have kids that are just like that too. So we have to, again, be put ourselves out there. And I think when they, when, when our students see us kind of taking those risks, but creating that safe place to take risks, um, I think my favorite game at the end of the day uh, that we did was my bad. And everyone said, all good. And guess what? When we can say that about ourselves and get there, we will like systematically change the way kids will show up um, and that we can have that 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 leverage among adults that are servicing um, these amazing children every single day to just change the way um, they're seen, their way they're heard, um, and that finding a trusted adult on campus won't be so difficult anymore. Um, I know it's possible. Uh, I, I've seen it done. I'm just looking forward to the greater impact of people just sticking with it. Hmm. I just that last sentence sticking with it, right? I'm going to try something new. And then how often do we give up? We tell kids don't give up, but it didn't work very easily. It didn't work 100%. It still didn't change that kid. So we give up. But we tell kids they can't give up. Uh, to that point, Julie, absolutely. I really appreciate those words. Um, Dan. Yeah, I, I think uh, some of the resistance um, you know, even still kind of being new to teaching uh, for 10 years now, um, most of the colleagues, I think the most stuff that I hear a lot is, oh, there's something else that we got to learn. Something else that they think is going to fix is going to be the magic pill that's going to go ahead and save it. And, you know, for people who've been teaching longer than I have, um, they're just tired of it. You've given us one more thing to learn. You're giving us one more thing to do. Um, and the resistance is, I, I really don't have time for this. Um, yeah, I'm not teaching kids today, so that's a great thing. But I really, you know, I might be getting free food. This is great too. But I, I'm not really getting anything out of this because there's a wall that's built up. Um, there's so many people that are stuck in their way. And, you know, living in California, one of the things I'd like to do during the summer is travel and go to different cities. Uh, we're in a rat race here in California. There's always so many things that we're doing constantly. We're thinking five steps ahead. We're overwhelmed. We're busy. And we just don't take the time to sit down and re truly reflect on what we presented to our students. Sometimes it's I had to, not I want to. Um, and, and so when you go ahead and you are purposeful in what you're doing and trying to understand, it's like, man, if I just had to strip this away today and just get to know each and every one of my 30 students in this class, the next class, let me get to know you guys. What does that look like? Did that really hurt or take away from um, really what's going on? And it's really that simple of a, a task to do is to understand like this person is a person here and how can I accept them expect them to go ahead and learn from me if I don't want to know who they are. Um, and it's it's a hard thing. You know, you, there's a lot of kids now that come through with 504 plans or IEPs. And it's just like, oh, another thing I got to go up and show up for. And this kid can't do this. And this kid can't do that. Instead of saying, what can the kid do? The kid is a human being that can be respected and build relationship with that. Maybe they just needed someone to say, you can do it. And I believe in you. And, um, you know, it, I don't know what the answer is, how to get people to buy in or to go ahead and, and tear down those walls. I just know for myself, I never had those walls. This is what I always wanted to do is just build relationships. I'm a relationship person. Not everyone is that way. But, you know, when you go through and realize, like, the bigger impact I can get to a kid is for that trusted space and relationship building then I can get and build on the foundation with that into their education. The, the more reward that you'll feel and satisfy as a teacher, I know personally, but also what that kid comes back. Uh, as I was shared earlier with those elementary kids, you know, I don't remember all the kids' names. It's, it, that was eight years ago, seven years ago, if not. And um, now they're in high school. And I had some girls come out to videotape one of my golf team. And the girl came up to me with the biggest smile and said, Mr. Dan, um, and said, you know, that was my favorite time of my life. You made it very enjoyable. And I'm like, I don't remember you. I'm sorry. I know you wouldn't. But what you did and what you shared with me gave me the confidence to be where I'm at today. <clears throat> I try not to cry. Um, but those things are what I really want. I don't desire those things, but when I hear something where maybe I touched one kid's life, that's just so powerful. And we have the impact and the chance and the choice. Ultimately, it's our choice of how we 
interpret what is being taught to us and how to relate it to the students. And, you know, I always tell the kids a few things. One story is about Einstein doing math and he's talking to a class of people. One times nine is nine, two times nine is 18, all the way up until he gets to nine times nine, he says it's 84 and the class starts laughing. It's like, well, why are you laughing? Well, because you messed up. You know, they made one mistake, but the other eight problems were perfect and they didn't say anything about what he did correct. We have a tendency to pick on the mistakes and not talk about and celebrate all the wins that we have. There are wins in our education system every day, but we don't take time to acknowledge the student for that win. And sometimes just being giving a kid being acknowledged and saying, I see you and I'm here for you is the biggest thing a kid could have and it could change that trajectory of that student forever. Um, and so I think we have a role and a duty as educators to to reach those kids. It's not being in the rat race to have the best test scores or have the highest things, right? We, we're, we're seeing a society that's changing and evolving constantly where some of these things are not really even being used today. Video games are demand, social things are demand. How do you, can you connect with people if you can't articulate with a voice of saying, I see you, I understand you, let's work together. And I think that's what we all need to do as educators is just work together, be, be vulnerable. It's okay. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. Thank, oh, Dan, like so powerful. <laughs> like everything here, I just want to like eat up and, and, and just like, you know, sprinkle it all, along, you know, all of the education system. So Carl, from taking what Dan was just saying about this basically with kids and Julie with kids, how does what Dan was just saying around kids affect how do you take that same conversation around your colleagues? Like well, I think the biggest obstacle for classified staff is acceptance from the rest of the school community. Um, quite often, our job is just to do our job and not to engage kids any more than that. Um, but what districts fail to realize, as I stated earlier, is that we live in the community. We go to church with these students. We see them in the market. Um, so they they are drawn to us, their parents know us. And I think that even though we have these relationships, to be quite honest, relationships between students and classified staff really isn't really encouraged as much as it should be. So it is an honor to sit on this panel with you all and sit as an equal to really express these because it's the truth. Um, we, we already have these relationships established we just want to use them to our benefit. And as I was sitting here, I was thinking that when I was about in the ninth grade, I was very poor. My family, my mother was a single mother. We had, she had seven kids, very poor. And, um, and I never told anybody this story, so you, this exclusive, that um, I used to work in the cafeteria at lunch to kind of help out. And um, you get a ninth grade graduation packet, which is your graduation robe and a trip to Magic Mountain and all the stuff you do in the ninth grade. My mother couldn't afford it. I knew it wasn't going to happen. But it were the ladies in the cafeteria who put their pennies together, because even this was back in the 80s. So they were making very little money. And they made sure that I had everything I needed for graduation. They made sure I had a clean shirt to wear. And I never really told anybody this because I didn't want to make my mother feel bad. but. I never forgot that there were other people on campuses besides the teacher, my counselor, and the principal who really went the extra mile for me to ensure that I felt good about my ninth grade year. And they didn't make a big deal out of it. They didn't tell anyone else. These ladies who probably were the lowest paid women in the, and I know for a fact, because I look at salaries now, they were definitely the lowest paid in the district, took money out of their pocket to make sure that I was able to be successful in the ninth grade. So that is, I, I have to carry that on. You know, we see students in their most vulnerable states when they first get to school in the morning, we know if they're having a bad day or not. We know that when they get on the bus, if they're having a bad day, during lunchtime and recess, when classroom rules don't apply, we're dealing with students and they're coming to us telling us their issues. Even now during a via Zoom, when my instructional assistants were assisting, we're, we got a once in a lifetime peek into the homes of our students. 
we think we know what it's like in their homes, but we got a chance to see their homes. So I believe that these, with stopping classified staff is buy-in from the rest of the school community. So we got the students. The students, we, we already have the relationship, but we want the districts to acknowledge that our relationships are valuable as well. That's what our, our stumbling block is. Equally valuable. Thank you, Carl. Like the impact that 100% of us who influence kids have is equal. We might see kids a different length of time. So if you see a child five hours a day versus just at lunch, there's a greater opportunity for impact, both positive and negative. But the impact that can happen in a split second doesn't change. Uh, so if we carry that piece on, Carl, if we carry what you just shared about classified, this is a little off our topic um, of questions, but for all of you, what is it going to take and what do you see the value of bringing all in the ecosystem together? So Julie, you have some results that happened because you did it, right? And not every school did as many different, you know, collective groupings, but like, what do you see as the value? And like, what's one idea that you might have, like, to make that happen? Like, what, how, how are we going to make that happen? Because I do believe that we're all collectively thinking there's value to that. So Dan or Carl, who, who wants to go first? I, I, I'm, you know, I think <clears throat> some of the things that I kind of always share is, um, you know, I'm really coming from the private sector. I know kind of people who run the world. And Carl, let me just say thank you for the work that you do and, and your colleagues, because I, I truly see that constantly, that I believe that is the most powerful people there. They're the ones who are taking them from the bus to the school. They're the ones who are making sure they get to class on time. And it's that those moments that you're right, you have the kids. It's feeling as being equals. And, you know, I think that's my, my personal thing is, Every day when I do, I have office hours that I go in, I make sure I go see all of the staff um, and make relationships. I might talk to football about with someone. I might talk to the secretary, say thank you. I might bring them coffee. I might just try to build relationships saying, hey, I, I'm nobody. I, you do all the work. How can I serve you? Um, because that truly is what we need to understand. Um, support staff is truly that word is support. Um, I can't do my job without other people around me. And, you know, it's the old adage of it takes a village. It, it, it truly takes a village. The village is just not me. It's everyone that interacts with my kids. And I, you know, yeah, I take ownership, but are you okay with having my kids? And, you know, the conversation should be as a whole. Um, I know that the school that I work with, um, we, we have two, uh, independent junior highs that are part of the high school district, um, we do staff meetings together and it's everyone. It's um, whether it's the long-term sub, the roving sub, whether it's the clerical uh, staff, whether it's janders, everyone's in there be talking with the same thing. Um, and that's really started when we started doing um, trusted space. Also what we started doing with all it takes. Um, it was kind of the toolbox that we use that realizes that we see everyone, um, but how do districts implement that? I know as you know, our high schools uh, where I coach at, uh, they're 4,500 students and the staff that's on there forever, it, it, you can't even number them. And I've had a friend that was a principal and went to a back to school night with my daughter. And I said, he goes, you're leaving? I said, yeah, the teacher's not there. And he goes, oh, I didn't know if they were here today or not. Te the principal didn't know if the if that staff was there. So how do you know if the security guard's there or the janitor's there? or the lunch ladies there. Um, and so, you know, it starts from the top down, I think, is is you set the tone by knowing everyone and who they are and what makes them what makes them click um, and empowering them. I think you're, you know, listening to you, Carl, you're striving, you're yearning to say, I want to be seen and say, let me let me nurture this relationship. Let me take it because I already have it. Don't shun me from doing it because I want to do it. And it's doing great things. Um, and yes, I might not be running and dumping that trash real quick. I'm just spending this five extra minutes. I got this kid that I'm talking to and this kid that sees me every day. And you're the, probably the, their rock star for them. And I think that should be celebrated. Um, 
more often. I don't know what the answer is, um, but I think we can all do a better job as educators and as even administration of noticing each other um, and noticing what we bring to the table because we all want that same yearning for respect just as much as our kids do. And I could just jump in because kids see that, you know, kids learn about relationships on how we treat each other. You know, and it was no secret that that the classified staff were not treated the same as the certificated staff. And junior high school students could tell by the way we were spoken to or, you know. Mm. So I, I absolutely agree. And I and I think that we're on the right track of, of making this better. But part of it is doing things like this together. You know, um, I always make it a point to um to be on campus and and speak to teachers and the principal and the superintendent because kids model what they see. And if we have a good relationship with each other, then they know that they need to do the same thing. So they always say, you know, kids don't care what you know, but they know how much you care. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Julie, do you want to jump in? Any thoughts on this robust conversation? Well, I too, uh, shout out to our classified staff. Um, you know, I, I was trying to think about what would be the point of a district if we didn't have everybody uh, working collectively to support our students. Um, if we're trying to develop students as a whole child, everybody contributes. Uh, I, I was thinking back when I was a principal and even when I was a teacher, I mean, the people who I relied on weren't necessarily my peers, the, the teachers. It was my office manager got me through things. My custodian got me through things. Uh, um, my lead supervisor in the um, a cafeteria. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that because we're having this conversation. I'm saying that because they spend um, really uh, quality time with our students. Um, and I love our teachers. I, I think everyone who's serving is servicing a child day in and day out, um, the school is the hardest working place in the school district, period. Um, I value everything they're doing. And that's why I think for us in Pasadena, this particular type of professional development, um, but an extension of just learning had to be with everybody, um, that everybody has this uh, incredible talent and uh, contribution uh, to make the lives of the children that show up every day that are entrusted to us from our community that their lives are going to be richer in the end. Um, and I really hope and I believe this and I've seen it um, that we're the ones that are changed because of the impact of the children um, in our lives. Like I, I don't show up every day because I think I have some greater good to bestow upon someone else. I hope at the end of the day that someone has bestowed their greatness upon me that I can then take out and, and share. And uh, in my, my new role here, uh, I don't get to be out at the school sites as much, but I make it a point every month to be out there so that I remember when I have to make decisions, it's about those that matter most, which are our staff and our students. Um, and that's how it needs to, it has to always be remembered of why do we exist and who are the greatest asset. And, and they are our students first and foremost and the every single adult that impacts that child's life. So uh, I know it can be done. It's definitely time consuming, but it is worth every moment. Um, and so excited just to see some of that change and, um, and just, um, just knowing that, um, again, like I said before, you just, Sometimes you just have to put yourself out there. But I, I, after witnessing what I was a part of and sitting with people, I really hope that those campuses are changed um, for the good because, man, there's just nuggets of gold every single where you turn on a campus. And um, our, our, our students deserve that from every, every person. Mm -hmm. um, we just have to make sure that they're, they're valued um, for that um, and not thought anything less than that. Mm. Yeah, and, and it starts with us being able to do that with each other, right? Like I was thinking about that video clip and Mary Helen uh, and Mardino Yang, who says, you know, we need to be able to take it back and say, I, maybe I meant it last week, but not today. Like, think about what we could be for one another. Now, this is, I think, a big thing. Like, what could be, we be for one another if we could let go what was? Right. So maybe on a campus, um, Carl, you have some people in your organization who feel very 
you know, hurt and angry and dismissed, right? And to get around that, they're going to have to let that go at the same time as a new approach by others in the district or by a principal or whatever says, hey, we want to invite you in. Like at some point, we all need to be able to like let go of what we were upset about and step into trusting that there can be another way, right? Step into trusting that when I say, I want you to be a part of our meeting, I mean that. And then when it goes badly, which because we're humans, it will at times, we still get to reset and say, it still matters enough for us to come together. And me as a human being, as a woman, I want to be able to say, I said that last week, and I actually don't think that anymore, because in the meantime, I've learned something new. And I feel like as adults, for us to model, to your point, Carl, like they are watching us. They are so watching us. We do need to model what we expect from them. So we expect them to come in and be polite, but we come in and turn our back to them and don't even say good morning. And we have a reason. It was a bad morning. But we don't allow them to have that reason. And in this relationship that we're talking about, right, whether it's peer-to-peer, colleague-to-colleague, adult-to-child, child-to-child, like the interconnectedness um, is really important. So, Julie, you mentioned the word, I think you did too, Dan, vulnerable. Maybe it came out of all of your, you know, all three of you. When we say the word vulnerable, many, many adults are like, yeah, no, no, right? And I feel like in some ways the word's gotten a bad rap (laughs) because vulnerable doesn't have to be completely a mess, right? So is there a thought you have around each of you, what it takes to be vulnerable and professional, what it means to be vulnerable and still hold our authority, because that matters and it should matter. A teacher should have some authority, right? Um, Not a right to be rude. Authority doesn't mean right to just be whatever we want. I still think we earn the trust and earn the credibility. I mean, credibility is earned. It's not given, I think. But how do we stay professional and vulnerable or stay in authority and vulnerable? Does anybody have a thought on that? I guess I kind of equate it to when you make mistakes, it's a good reminder that you're human. (laughs) That like, okay, that didn't go so well. Um, Or, wow, I put myself out there and that just really felt awkward a little bit. But I think... um, I think it's kind of everything that's been saying. Uh, you said this, Lori and Dan and Carl said it is is that essence of showing up, and and maybe you just don't have all the answers, but you showed up, right? Um, you know, or you have butterflies about doing something, or or you're feeling a little apprehensive. I, I think that's natural. I think it honestly shows the essence of care, um, and I think in when you have this this care about what you might be doing, that's that's not feeling supernatural. Um, it's a good pulse to have, right? It's just this, this uh, um, recognition of like, maybe I just need to do better, right? Like maybe I need to try a little bit harder. Okay, well, that didn't go very well. I'm going to try it again the next day. Or gosh, you know, I, I thought I had, I thought I was working really well with that, with that student. Um, and it, wow, I, I didn't expect that. But it doesn't mean you, you, you lean back, it's you lean in or you step up, but maybe you have to step back in another way. And I think that that goes just with the essence of, of relationships too, but you, you can't guard yourself forever, you know? And I think, you know, you said a really important piece there, Lori, is that, that how do you balance certain things? Um, I, I think surrounding yourself with people who uh, are experts, um, who might know more than me, um, is a little bit vulnerable. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, I, I've, I don't, I, I wouldn't be doing the work I do. I, I love education. My why every day is because there are amazing kids that, that come. But part of my why is being able to know that I have the opportunity to learn from others um, and, and kind of 
know that's how I can put myself out there and it's vulnerable. Um, but I, but I model that, um, with people I lead, people I work alongside, I ask anybody around here. I ask probably the most questions, but how did you do that? Or why did you do that? Or tell me more about that. Or how did that make you feel? You know? And, um, for me, that's, that's just trying to remind yourself that it's okay to lean in and have those critical conversations if you have to, and when things didn't go well, or, or even reflection of knowing when things didn't go well, but what are you willing to step up and, and change or, or do it? I, I think you have to talk about it. I think the, I think experiences and sometimes those decisions can be a little bit scary, <laughs> um, but I don't think that we caution ourselves so much that we guard ourselves. Our, our students deserve better um, and our adults that we work with deserve better. Um, I, I think we just have to give those allowances uh, for um, being vulnerable. I, I think it's, it's growth. That's mm -hmm. opportunity. And it's what we ask of our kids. Right. So again, am I asking my kids to do something that I'm not willing to do? And, and, and I think of that as an ouch sometimes, because the answer sometimes is like, Oh, I am asking them to do something that I'm not willing to do. Yeah. Dan or Carl, either one of you have a thought on bringing that vulnerability message. I think, uh, you know, my idea of being vulnerable, you know, I, I say that is, you know, you're right. The, you have teachers probably are going to say, no, don't do that. And that was kind of during my credentialing things. Like, don't don't be real to the kids. Don't give them information. Don't give them personal information. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm I went back to education and got my degree at 36. And um, the stories, life lessons that I have, um, I think I would do someone a disservice if I didn't tell them that I'm not perfect, um, you know, and I think it's just being authentic. I, I, that's how I take vulnerable, being vulnerable is being authentic. Like, you know, uh, Julia said it earlier when she said, my bad, owning something and saying, I made a mistake. Hey, I'm just like you. We're going to make mistakes each and every day. But that's the challenge. The challenge is what do you do in those moments where you've made a mistake? Did you did did you go ahead and lean into it and did you pivot? Did you learn from it and move past it? And then understand when I see that same thing addressed that I made the right decision this next time, or do I do the repeated thing and make the same mistake? Um, it's, it's accepting, understanding, how can I ask my kids and my students and my colleagues to accept failure if I say I'm perfect all the time, right? My, my wife has been teaching for 30 years and she's, you know, her thing, to my daughter who's starting to get an education is, you know, you got to be on all the time. And, and I, I, I laugh because, you know, like I said, I came from the private sector and I really had to be on because you have to go ahead and say yes, ma'am. And no, no, sir, to everything that all this public people that came to the, to serve. And, but ultimately I, I don't think it's okay to say, Hey, I had a rough night last night. How about you guys? Like, I didn't get that. I didn't sleep that well. I'm not really feeling good. Um, you know, and them saying, gosh, I don't feel good either. Right. And, just having the conversations, it's not giving too much information. Although I think some of our stuff that we can share um, of personal experiences is showing someone that I'm authentic, right? I, I, I always laugh because like I didn't go to education and go through to get my degree like the traditional person did from high school to college. And now here I've been teaching for so many years. I went and, you know, I had the ups and downs of layoffs and jobs and trying to find and build myself up into a career and realizing I'm running after money. And it really wasn't what brought me true joy. Uh, the joy is what I always wanted to do. But I had a sour taste of education because I just didn't like school in general. Um, but when I got to a place where I wanted to teach it was because there was a why there was people always asking me, you should be a teacher. Um, and it was just I. I'm just happy that those people said that. And I'm like, I don't have anything to share. I'm not that smart. I'm not that bright. But I think what I can share is my authenticity. I love people. I love kids. And I think the discovery and seeing inside their world of what goes on allows you to say, you know what? I was once there too. And, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, I didn't do it the right way, but I'm still on this side of it. And I've, I don't regret anything I ever did. Um, and I think I would have changed things, but you know what? Those things made me to who I am. We all are able to make mistakes because that's what we are. We're human. Um, 
And I think that's the idea with being vulnerable, sharing your heart and being truthful. Uh, I think we all shared this earlier, like kids are the biggest BS bullseye boom radars that we ever have. They're like, no, that ain't true. You know, and I've shared that story before with you, Lori, about the kid and the rock. And that like, that's not a true story. I have stuff to share and experiences that can connect on different reasons of the why we shouldn't do or why we should do. Um, and I think it's okay that if you're sharing your personal information that's authentic, but yeah, of course there's boundaries within that. But I think as adults, we're smart enough to figure that out. We don't share things. And in secondary school, it's hard. I've been in some of those campuses and those classes and the way the adults talk to the kids, it, it, it makes me cringe. It's, it's, it's as a dictator and you do, you do, you do with the finger pointing. And it's, you know, it's not a great environment to learn um, because yeah. it, you have to go ahead and understand, Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I didn't read this last night. I've, I've been teaching it, but I'd read it. And maybe I could have gleaned something else that instead of saying, Nope, that's not the answer. Well, maybe that is their answer. And that could be a possibility of the answer. Um, yeah. There's we we have to be constant learners. That is something that we all should be doing in education. Uh, Julie said that's her favorite thing. Hey, I want to learn. Well, I do too. I want to know what can I do better tomorrow that I failed at today. And if I know that my that's for myself and that's true and that rings true for me, then I could go for that with the kids. And I think that's that's the vulnerability you have to have. It's not saying I got to go ahead and give you my dirt. I don't have to give you all my things that have, you know, all these bad sins and things that I've ever done. But just to say, hey, I'm I'm truly here in front of you as a mentor, not as an instructor, not as an adult. And I, you know, even in physical education, man, you play sports with the kids. Yeah, that's what keeps me young. I'm 49 years old and I still don't let kids beat me. Uh, that's, that's just what's part of me. But the kids love it. Because again, like you said, Lori, I'm not going to ask them to do something that I would not want to do myself. And that I think that's the simplest idea that I think, you know, we could ring so many keeping it simple, stupid acronyms, things that we could say, hey, this is the streamlined thing. I'm not asking you to do a lot. I just want to, you to know that you can do it well. And I, and I, and I failed at it too, but I can help you because I failed. And I know that I know how the tricks. So, I mean, I think that's, that's what vulnerable means for me. Great. Thank you, Dan. Oh my gosh, so many nuggets. I just know this audience is dying to hear now from you, Carl, too. And we have a couple more minutes and then we wrap up. I can't believe an hour. So hopefully those of you, I think we're all nervous when we started at this point, that goes away because we're just in the conversation of things that matter. Carl. I, I just have a really quick comment. You know, it's easy to be vulnerable in a trusted space. So I think that is the, the kids are already coming vulnerable. They're, they're coming with everything, you know, you know, with all of their emotions, how they're feeling, you could then they don't have a filter yet. And but, you know, we have a saying that we said when I was in high school, real recognizes real. And like Dan says, kids can detect it a mile away. You don't even have to say a word. You, a kid just has an automatic detector to know who's really there for them. And uh, and you can't hide it. You know, you don't, you don't even need to be vulnerable for it to, to happen if a kid's going to connect with you automatically. Um, I know we're running out of time, but I absolutely agree with everything both of the panelists said, that uh, students will already know, and it's easy to be vulnerable if you're in a place where you can be vulnerable. And then, I, yeah, Carl, thank you. And, and I know that you probably have so much more to say, and thank you for being careful with the time here. Um, I think that it's okay just to say I'm human, right? I'm human too. A lot of us have a really hard time being outside of our perfection human. So what we're asking our kids to do, we want to offer to do also, right? And I think, Julie, to some of the points you made today, before I wrap this up, our our educators, especially maybe in secondary, and Dan, you talked about second secondary also, there's nothing shy of, of of the beauty and the outcomes that comes from people who sit in a place where they feel like they can learn, they feel like they are important, they feel valued, and they feel like if they fall down, it's okay to get back up. And 
I would like to just sort of end with just a question to all to you three, but really to our audience. Who made you feel safe? What were the essences? Was it, you know, a counselor, a teacher, a custodian, an office manager, um, maybe a library aide who was your sanctuary at lunch when you could escape the chaos because you didn't feel safe with the group? Who made you feel safe and what was it about them that helped you feel that way? And I feel like if we start there, we can pull from the courage that it's going to take to step into the vulnerability that our colleagues, our families, and our students need from us in order for them to feel like they can grow into the person they deserve to grow into. And I thank all of you so much for being here today. I want to just talk for another couple hours, but you know, we're all busy people and our audience probably doesn't want to listen that long. But thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us your afternoon. And thank you for your commitment to all that you serve, both adults and youth, um, and to the great you know, outcomes that we in California are going to be able to create for our students. And thank you, Cal Hope Schools Initiative, for making this podcast accessible for free and for all of the other resources that you can find on calhopeschools.org. Please visit us, grab the resources. They're robust. They're great. And thank you for all that you do. Have a great afternoon.